Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Down to the Wire podcast. My name is Varun Shankar. I'm joined by Mark Bullock of the Washington Post and Zach Hicks of Stampede Blue, the Colts SB Nation site. Guys, how are you? Good, thanks for having us. All right. Yeah, man, uh, thanks for having me on. I'm pretty good right now. Yep. So the Redskins ended the preseason at 1-3 and after losing their last game 30-20 to to the Ravens. I'd just like to look at the team and just have a conversation about what we think about their prospects for this year and some of the guys on the team. So let's all, let's start with the most important position uh, on the on in football, the quarterback. They've obviously changed quarterback, switching from Kirk Cousins to Alex Smith. Mark, how has the offense changed to accommodate Smith? Uh, well, it's difficult to say so far because it's only been preseason, and obviously, I don't want to give away too much. Um, we've we've seen a couple little differences, and Smith has run a little bit more. Um, but for the most part, what we've seen is a pretty core basic west coast offense um and and smith is is running it fine um and he's he's reading the high to low reads and taking what the defense gives him um and then he's reading out um coverages when he's got to pick man his own and and he's doing fine um he hasn't been spectacular so far but he hasn't been terrible i mean it's it's kind of as it's preseason you kind of expect it to be a little bit rusty and new teammates and what have you but um, he, he's been doing fine, um, and uh, I'm sure once the season gets going and they, and they start actually game planning for people, um, we'll, we'll see the best of Alex Smith then. Zach, have you noticed anything in specifics to how they've been managing Smith? I mean, honestly, it, like Mark said, it's pretty all vanilla right now. I mean, we're not really going to see too much of what they're going to do in the in the regular season. We haven't even seen with all his weapons out there yet, so I can't really grade too much here on the preseason because, again, it is preseason. He's a veteran quarterback. He's not going to be doing everything that you expect in the preseason. He hasn't even thrown that many balls. I mean, I feel like the only quarterback I can really evaluate off this preseason is Kevin Hogan. And I mean, I mean, I don't really want to evaluate him <laughs> But, I mean, Alex Smith, I think he'll be fine when the regular season rolls around. I'm not too worried about him. Um, I am very interested to see, like, what kind of offense they're going to instill with him. So it's going to be interesting, uh, but there's not really much we can grade on this preseason with him. Can we agree that no matter what, we'll see him throw the ball a lot more than he has in his past years at Kansas City? Because, first off, they don't have the running game that they had in Kansas City with Jamal Charles and then more recently Kareem Hunt. But I think that just Jay Gruden's philosophy at times is to throw more than run. Zach, is that true or is that just more a misconception? I mean, from what I've seen, Gruden does typically uh, you know, lean in favor of throwing the ball. Um, Mark's probably more qualified to answer on this one than I am, but... Um, yeah, from what I've seen, he definitely is more inclined to throw the ball. Now, we have to remember he hasn't really had a top-tier running back. I mean, that was supposed to be Geis this year coming in, and, and then we had that horrible injury. So he hasn't really had that bell cow to feed it. Maybe that would be Peterson this year. Who knows? But, I mean, when your best running back on the team the last couple of years has been a pass-catching running back, you've had a pass, you know, a pretty good passer in Kirk Cousins the last couple of years, I understand why he's thrown the ball more. So maybe with a guy like Alex Smith, and maybe a guy like Peterson, they'll actually run the ball a little bit more and, and be more balanced. But, um, I mean, Gruden has tended to throw the ball more, but, I mean, I, I don't really know too much of that trend there. Mark, you just talked about Adrian Peterson there. We know that Peterson runs a different style than what the Redskins do normally. From the limited south sample size you got from the Broncos game, do you think that Redskins are going to change their offense for Peterson? Yeah, well, Gruden tends to adjust his scheme towards the personnel that he has. Um, he 
the, the Redskins, since Gruden's got, come here, he, he's kind of leaned on the, the zone scheme that the Shanahan's installed. But he has installed some more gap scheme runs, um, whereas the Shanahan's were almost purely zone. Um, Gruden's kind of installed more, and, and as the years have gone on, he's, he's used more gap scheme runs with power, with duo, um, with toss plays to the edge, um, pulling guards and linemen uh, all over the place. So um, it, it's not the biggest change in the world, but it is a significant one. Um, and I, I think we will probably see more of a shift towards gap scheme runs with Peterson as the starter, um, just because that's what Peterson has done for essentially his whole career. Um, and he hasn't been a particularly proficient zone runner. Um, that's not to say he can't, and they, they won't run outside zone and inside zone, but um, I suspect we will probably see more of a gap scheme run run style from Gruden this year than we have in years gone past. Zach, uh, after the loss of Yaris Geis, this running game and the running back's room looks to be largely unchanged except for Peterson. Do we think that the Redskins are going to have an improvement in their running game, or is it going to be just like last year? Uh, I think production from the running backs might be a little bit better just because, you know, there was a lot of inconsistencies last year with just Kelly did not have his best year. He was a little dinged up. Uh, P. Ryan, I mean, he it was a rookie, and he came in. He looked looked off. So now you're getting a guy like Peterson who's going to come into the fold. He knows what he's doing. He might not be what he has been. Like, he, not, he might not be 2,000-yard Peterson anymore, but he's still Adrian Peterson. He, the vision doesn't go away with age. So, I mean, I think we're going to see a more – from like a productive wise, like getting yards after contact or or finding the hole and getting upfield, I think we're going to see a lot more of that with Peterson and just the whole year of a healthy Chris Thompson. I think is going to be a very big difference because we saw kind of in the beginning of last year when Chris Thompson was healthy, the offense was clicking, and the second Chris Thompson went down, the offense kind of lost one of its key players. So a healthy Chris Thompson all year and Adrian Peterson, even though he's an older Adrian Peterson, still. Peterson with that vision, with his ability to create after contact, I think we'll see a better, more like more production overall, even in the passing game from this running back group this year. Uh, Mark, do you think that Peterson's going to be able to hold up through the entire season? Because we saw last year in Arizona, he had that hot start in the first game, and then he just seemed to fade into the background. Yeah, a lot of that will depend be dependent on how well they manage him. Um, I, I suspect that he will probably get a heavier workload than, than the group of Redskins running backs that we've seen recently. Um, but that's probably more t- to who he is and, and what he does. Um, whereas the Redskins have lacked kind of a number one back for a while, um, certainly since Jay Gruden's been here. So they haven't really had a guy that they can say, we'll give you the ball 15, 20 times a game and we'll let you dominate the game. Whereas they c- could do that with Peterson. Um, but I think we'll probably see them not go too heavy too early with him. Um, they, they'll probably um, give him maybe, I would imagine, 15 carries sort of as a limit early on to, to try to prolong him through the season and just see how he holds up, given that he's essentially had no training camp, no preseason. Um, he, he's played, what, one game and maybe a handful of snaps. So right. um, I, I, think, I think we'll probably see him on almost a pitch count um, to start the year, just to make sure that he can last throughout the season, um, especially given his age and, and the tread on the tires and the number of injuries he's had over his career as well. Um, I, I suspect 
they will try to prolong him throughout the year um, by spelling him and, and you know using Thompson in, in the passing game um, will, will certainly help as well. So um, yeah, I, I suspect they will probably have him on some sort of pitch count. So barring injury, we can assume that Peterson's going to be the week one running back. But the backup position is a little bit more interesting because you've got two guys now fighting for, for one position. Uh, Samaje P. Ryan, the fourth-round pick from Oklahoma, and then Rob Kelly, an undrafted player out of Tulane. Which one do you guys see making the team Mark first, then Zach? I, I would think they would go Rob Kelly um, because he fits the style that Peterson does. Um, so they wouldn't have to necessarily change a game plan halfway through. If Peterson were to go down injured, they could continue with the same running style um, with Rob Kelly. He's more of a gap scheme runner than Piran is. Piran seems to have excelled more in, in zone runs. Um, so they wouldn't have to, in the middle of the game, suddenly change from gap to zone um, to go with Piran if, if Peterson was injured. So I would think... If the case is it's between Kelly and P. Ryan, which I think it probably is, then I think they would probably go with Kelly over P. Ryan. And then Zach? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Even though it, it's hard giving up on a fourth-round pick this quick, um, it's just P. Ryan just hasn't really shown it. You know, The Redskins spent a second-round pick on Geis uh, this year, and then they brought in Adrian Peterson. So obviously they don't trust him. Don't trust him enough to being, a, being like a, a competition here with Rob Kelly. So, I mean, at the end of the day... If you are looking at two guys who are kind of down the depth chart, which guy kind of fits that backup mold? And I think the Redskins ultimately are going to go with Rob Kelly because, I mean, he's just been here for a while. They trust him. They know what they're getting out of Rob Kelly. And, and again, like Mark said, he does fit the same scheme as Peterson. So I think the Skins will ultimately go with Rob Kelly as well. There's going to be, I think they're going to carry four running backs on this roster. So if we're going with the people we said so far, that's Peterson, Thompson, and then Kelly. And then the fourth spot's kind of interesting because. They could either go with P. Ryan, keep him as well, and have three power running backs, or they could have a backup specifically for that third-round role for uh, in case Chris Thompson goes down like last year. Because after he went down last year, they had to kind of just cycle through a bunch of guys, including Byron Marshall and Capri Bibbs. Do you guys think that Bibbs makes the team as the fourth back? Uh, yeah, I, I, I would probably go with Bibbs um, because Marshall has struggled with a few injuries and, and hasn't had the opportunity to show what he can do as much as Bibbs has. And to be honest, when we saw Bibbs last year, I thought he stood out more than Marshall. Um, and, and the biggest question for Bibbs going into this preseason was how could he hold up in pass protection because that is a vital part of the third down back. Um, and it's something Chris Thompson does so well. And it's something that Byron Marshall showed pretty pretty strongly in um, in his few opportunities last year and, and early in the preseason before he got injured. Um, but Bibbs has, has stepped up and he's shown not only a willingness but an improvement in technique and an improvement in uh, diagnosing where the pressure is coming from and where he needs to be and who he needs to pick up. Um, and I, I can't recall in the last two games him blowing any sort of blitz pickup. I think he's he's picked up quite a few and, and somewhere he's had to go quite a distance to pick up a couple. So um, I, I would personally go with Bibbs because I think he's just shown more than Marshall has at this stage. But I know Gruden has constantly mentioned, mentioned Marshall throughout the offseason, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's the route they go. But I would go Bibbs. And Zach? Yeah, I mean, I have to go with Bibbs at this point too. I mean, like we always say, the best ability is availability, and he's just been playing. And he's actually looked pretty good. Like Mark said, 
I mean, he's kind of said it all. I mean, he's just he looked improved from last year. He looked pretty good last year too. I mean, he's at the point where I think if Thompson goes down, it's a big blow. But I think Bibbs can step into that role and fill it at least adequately. So, um, and I don't have that faith with Marshall because I don't know if he can stay on the field. So Bibbs, I like. And yeah, I, I think the Skins will like him too. I think they're going to go with Bibbs as that uh, the fourth running back slash backup third down back. All right, let's move from the running game to the passing game. The Redskins have an interesting wide receiver situation, and none, none, no player is more perplexing than Josh Doxson, who's shown flashes of being dominant but hasn't really broken out yet. If he doesn't break out this year, will he ever reach his potential as a Redskin? Zach first, then Mark. I mean, it's hard to like definitively say that because sometimes players just it takes longer to break out obviously this is a big year for him because you know we're going into a couple years now where it's like okay when's when's doxing going to be our guy we spent a first round pick on him um i wasn't in love with him last year but he did show some some flashes of what he can be and he's going to be involved a lot more i think we've we've kind of seen this all season that they they want to make an effort to get him involved in the offense so i do think it's a big year for him I don't know if it's completely make or break because, you know, first-round picks have a long leash. And, you know, it's a receiver position. Sometimes they take a little bit longer to break out. But um, it's definitely a big year for him. So I, I think if he has a really poor year, like he even goes back from last year, I think that's when we can start questioning it. But I don't know. I don't know if I see that happening. But it, it definitely is a big year for him. Mark? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. It certainly is a big year for him. Um, I, I think a big part of of why he hasn't quite hit the ground running so far is obviously the injury in the first year. Um, but last year, I, he wasn't the type of receiver that Kirk Cousins works with well. Um, he's a guy that separates vertically then, rather than a guy that separates with his route running. Um, because he, he's not... While he's a solid route runner and he is improving in that aspect, he's not a guy that is like Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham that will beat you with sudden quickness off the line and, and break sharply in and out um, at a 90-degree angle. And you, you know The defensive back has no idea where he is. That's not the kind of receiver Dotson is. He's a guy that uses his size and his jumping ability to go up over a defender and make a catch over the top of them. And that's just not something that Kirk Cousins blended well with. Um, so I think that's something that Alex Smith does a lot better um, and we saw that at times last year with, with Travis Kelsey. Um, Kelsey can obviously separate um, with his route running, but he can also be a target that you can just throw the ball up to and he'll go and get it. And and Smith did that plenty last year. So I think he will suit his quarterback a lot better this year than he did last year. So that should see an improvement from him. But if, if he doesn't, if he fails to step up, um, or he's overtaken by someone else, like Mo Harris, they, they love, um, then, yeah, I could see him struggling and, and, and it'd be a kind of a make-or-break year for him. I don't think they'd give up on him next year because just because he's on a rookie contract, but mm-hmm. um, they, he would certainly be considered a bust if he doesn't break out this year. All right, let's stay with the wide receiver position and look at this roster battle, which is one of the more interesting battles on the team. I think they're going to keep six on the roster. That's what they did last year. The top three guys are locks. Crowder, Doxson, and Richardson will be there for sure. The fourth spot is probably going to be Mo Harris. I think we can consider him a lock. Yep. All right, and then, so these last two spots, you've got a few guys that are going to be competing. you got Trey Quinn, Mr. Irrelevant, 
Cam Sims from Alabama, and then finally the veteran Brian Quick. Which one? Which guy? Uh, which two of those do you guys see sticking around? Zach and then Mark. Uh, I'd say Trey Quinn is close to a lock, not because I think that you know he's been outstanding this preseason. He's definitely like earned his spot, but I just think the way that Gruden's talked about him, kind of the role he plays, it's different from Cam Sims and it's different from Brian Quick. So I do think Trey Quinn is kind of locked into that fifth spot. Uh, the really interesting. Uh, you know, like debate there. The battle is between Quick and and Sims because Quick again, you have the veteran guy who can play uh, any of those positions. He can fill in. You can kind of trust him because you know he's been in the NFL for so long. Or you have an undrafted guy like Sims. But Sims is very interesting. He's he can play both receiver spots, the X or the Z. He can play um, all special teams. He plays special teams all throughout Alabama. So I don't know what the Redskins are going to do. It. I think this is this could go either way with the Redskins because. We've seen the last couple of years, they really do like quick. But I, if it were me personally, I think I'd go Sims. I mean, what he gives you on special teams, what he gives you in youth, really good contract. I, I really like Sims. So personally, I go Sims. I, I really don't know what the skins are going to do with it, though. Mark? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think I think Trey Quinn's a lock. I'm probably higher on Trey Quinn than most, um, but I think he's a lock as well. Um, so I'm, I'm with Zach. I think it's a it's a battle between Sims and Quick for the sixth spot, and I wouldn't be surprised if they found a way to keep a seventh to keep both. Um, but I think I, I'm in the same boat as Zach as I would go Sims personally. I have a feeling that they just feel like they lack a bit of of a veteran in that in that wide receiver room because I think other than if it's not Brian Quick I think Jameson Crowder is your most experienced guy him or Paul Richardson who's just new to the team so I I I feel like they probably want a a vet in that room Um, that's something that Gruden and this coaching staff in particular seem to uh, really emphasize is having a, a veteran leader in every in every room so I, I would think they would like to keep quick, but it would be a real shame to give up on the talent that Sims has shown, and, and I think he's he's played his way onto a roster spot this year. So I would go with Sims. I think it's probably 50-50 for them, and I, as I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe cut a, an extra inside linebacker or tight end or something to find room to keep both. I love what Cam Sims has shown so far. He shows a ability to go get the ball that we've seen from Dachshund. I think part of the reason he went so low in the draft is because of the offense he played in Alabama, the way that they restrict the receivers at times. But uh, I agree with you that Gruden does seem to want a veteran presence, so it could go either way. You talked about how much you like Trey Quinn there, Mark. Could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, well, it was just during the draft, um, or after the draft, when I got some... um, A friend of mine lent me some film of him, and he just showed up everywhere he, he ran routes from any position he beat just about every defender with his route running um and he was a, a great technician um i saw him as someone that would probably gruden would like as much as he liked ryan grant just because he's such a solid route runner and he creates separation and and he knows exactly where he has to be and the angles he needs to take um, to set up defenders, and he knows how to read coverage and find the holes in zone and, and when to run on against man and, and what have you. So he's he's a solid all-round receiver, and his, his route-running skills are fantastic. And they don't really have the slot receiver behind Crowder. Um, I mean, Harris could play there, 
um, and, and he has played there in the past, but he doesn't quite have the sharp route running that Trey Quinn does. Um, so, and in Gruden's offense, that slot receiver role is critical. So, um, if Crowder were to get injured, I think Trey Quinn would be able to step in and and be productive. Um, so that's that's why I think he's he's a lock on this roster. Have you seen those skills that you saw on tape from his college days translate in the preseason film you've seen? Yeah, he's not had the huge amount of opportunities. Um, he's he obviously had that big hit in the was it the second game where he basically was out for the rest of the game um, mm. and and managed to bounce back and and get back in on the field in the next game. But he's not had a great deal of opportunities. We saw. Um, Last night, uh, or in the fourth preseason game, he uh, he came up clutch in a couple of situations. He got two first down catches, and then he had the one big play action over the middle, um, where he dodged the tackle and turned a sort of twenty yard gain into a, a 33, 34, something like that. Um, so, yeah, we've we've seen a little bit of it. We haven't seen a great deal of it, but um, you know, it's it's still base offense, and and it's not. They haven't really given him a huge chance to run the option routes and um, and set up the different routes with the other receivers um, and the route combinations with other receivers. So um, I think we'd see more of it when they start actually game planning and, and working matchups like they do in the regular season. Got it. Uh, I've looked at this offensive line and I've seen the starters look great, but behind that, the depth looks really really just rough in general. Zach, I mean, do you think that if the Reds can suffer any injuries on the offensive line like they did last year, I mean, do we have the depth to withstand those injuries? It's actually kind of funny uh, because I've been writing for the Colts a lot recently. Um, you know, you guys all know me from Redskins with Lockdown Redskins, but since I've been writing for the Colts, um, I've involved the Redskins as close. And my good friend, uh, Robbie Duncan, who you guys probably know on, on Twitter and, and through all of his offensive line stuff, he messaged me and he said, if you're watching some Redskins, do not watch these backup offensive linemen because it's, <laughs> it's painful to watch. We don't have anybody on the backup. So from what he's told me and from what I've seen, because I know I saw that like that terrible pass set from the backup right, right table, um, that kind of went viral and it was just terrible. But uh, what he messaged me was, besides the five starters and Inseki, there's no one to trust on this backup offensive line. And from what I've seen, yeah, it does not look that way. So... Um, Apparently, Doug Williams and them have kind of hinted at going outside of the organization to look for some some depth lineman help after these cuts, maybe or some trades. I think that would probably be the best route because, I mean, with you have five offensive linemen who are who are solid to above average. You know, Trent and Sheriff are both great, and then you have you know Rui has looked really good, Moses looked good, Laval's bound to get hurt because that's who he is, and then and Seki's a solid depth player, but after that, it, it really is kind of spotty. So. Hopefully they do look around the league for uh, through these cuts or through trades or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it, it's looked rough, especially, like I said, that pass set on that right tackle. I don't even know his name because it was so bad. Um, that's kind of going viral against the Patriots. I mean, whew. I mean, if that's, if, that's, if that's what we're here to expect out of these backup linemen, then uh, Alex Smith better be throwing the ball in half a second, getting that ball bouncing quickly. <laughs> Mark, how about you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, they... They, I, I think they probably would be a little bit surprised by the little they got out of uh, their the rookie tackle, Garon Christian. Um, he, he was an athletic swing tackle, um, but he and he has really, really good feet. But 
he has a lots of other things to work on um, technically and I think just core strength as well he struggles a little bit um, so he's got a lot to work on um, and yeah I think he's further behind than they probably expected when they drafted him in the third round so um, yeah I mean he's going to make the roster because he was a third round pick but if he if if Trent Williams and Morgan Moses were to go down they would be in trouble if Christian has to start so um, I, I don't think they have a backup guard on the roster either at the moment I think as Zach suggested, they would probably go out of the uh, group that they currently have. They'd look around the league for the anyone that might get cut, although I'm not sure there's going to be good offensive linemen that gets cut because there just isn't a great amount of them in the league right now. So um, it might be someone that you might have to give up a fourth or a fifth round pick for um, and, and hope that they could settle into your scheme quickly enough and be a backup and maybe even be a guy that could potentially start for you down the road. So um, I don't think they have a backup guard on the roster currently. Um, they seem to like Tony Bergstrom as the backup center with his experience, and Gruden suggests you know he, he really likes his centers to have experience and know the offense and, um, and all of that kind of stuff. So um, I, I think he'll make the roster. I think they've got eight guys penciled in, but I think they will find a ninth um, from elsewhere. Do you guys have any names that you might see coming from free agency or trades that might be that ninth offensive lineman you were talking about? Uh, I don't personally, um, because as I say, there's not really a, a great number of them around the league. So they kind of the good ones all make their rosters pretty securely. So um, I think I think there was uh, the guard in San Francisco that whose name is escaping me is it Garrett or Garnett? Joshua like Garnett, that. yeah. Yeah, there was. I, I remember hearing there was rumors of him potentially getting cut or traded, um, but I don't know. That was earlier in the preseason. I don't know how he's gone on since then. So um, that's the only one that pops to mind. But um, I've, I've got nothing else popping to mind. Zach, you have any names? Um, I mean, it's kind of like what Mark said. Offensive line play is at an all-time low right now. At least it feels like it, especially on backup offensive linemen. Like it's gotten to the point where if you lose an offensive lineman, like you're in a lot of trouble in the NFL. And I don't think many teams are going to cut good offensive linemen. Uh, I mean, it would be hard to even trade for one because you don't want to give up a, a good player. Maybe look at a team that's going to be trying to start a young guy over a veteran or something. Maybe you just get a decent veteran backup. But, I mean, overall, it, it, it's tough to, to get linemen. You kind of have to invest those, those draft picks in them. So um, I'm sure they'll add some young guy, maybe some some UDFA who gets cut from somebody or, or something like that. But, um it's definitely not somebody you're going to want to see in the lineup. You're going to want other guys in there than whoever they pick up as their ninth guy. Got it. Moving to this defense, the defensive line is really improved with the additions of Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne over the last two years. Do you guys see it being a top 10 unit in the league by the end of the year? Mark first and Zach. Uh, I don't know about top 10. That that would be quite the jump from where they were last year. Um, they started, to be fair to them, they did start off well last year um, when everyone was healthy and Jonathan Allen and Matt Ioannidis looked solid. Um, but they both did pick up injuries and, and then it kind of went downhill very quickly. Um, now, they have improved the depth. As you say, Deron Payne, um, Tim Settles look good. Um, Ziggy Hood, when he's not having to play nose tackle, he, he's solid as, a, as an end. So, um, and Anthony Lanier is is showing some promise as a pass rusher. So, I think the defensive line um, 
will improve, um, and I think we'll we'll see more consistent performance from them um, than, than we did last year, and hopefully everyone stays healthy. Um, but to say they would jump to top 10, I think, would probably be a little bit of a reach. Zach? Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. I think I always get hesitant with the Redskins, especially on everything, so maybe I'm just being a pessimist. But <laughs> top, 10, top 10 does feel like a little bit of a stretch. It is a good group. It's, it's one of the better groups that you know I've personally seen in, in my time following the team. I mean, Payne, Payne has a lot of upside. Allen has a lot of upside. Ionitis was great last year, and I think a lot of people are forgetting about it. And then, you know, Settle, Hood, Lanier, that, that's a good way to round out a group right there. And I think it's a lot. it's really deep. It provides a lot of good pass rush because Settle and Payne can both rush from the interior. Um, I think what we'll see the big jump with this group is is on the pass rush. You know, I think the Skins can actually get pressure with three guys up front now, which is which is huge. That, that's a really, you know, big thing in the NFL. And, you know, you'll never be just blitzing those three guys. You know, Kerrigan and, and Preston Smith will be coming in too. But to say that you can just get pressure with, you know, three, four man rushes, like, that's huge in the NFL, and I think that's where you're going to see the big jump with this Redskins group. I don't really know about the run defense. I don't know how great you know the big jump's going to be in that because the run defense was really putrid last year. Um, but I think again we will see the big jump in in that pass rush productivity, like we did kind of see early in last year when Ionitis and Allen were both playing. Got it. Moving a little bit back, but staying in the front seven, these inside linebackers, Mason Foster and Zach Brown. They have shown to be pretty good against a run, but I don't know if they have the coverage ability in the middle of the field. Do you guys think that's a concern that the Redskins should be monitoring? Uh, Zach first and Mark. Yeah, I definitely think it's a concern. I think that's why they like J- uh, Josh Harvey, Clement, or Harvey Clemens, JHC. Uh, I think that's why they like him on the roster because he kind of offers that pass coverage ability. Also, guys like Monte Nicholson, he can kind of cover uh, tight ends because of his big frame and his athletic profile. I, I think it's... They're just not great pass coverage linebackers. They they are very good linebackers at what they do. Brown is great at flying around and getting to the ball carrier, getting the backfield. He's a really good blitzer, actually. I know Pro Football Focus had him really high as a blitzer. And Mason Foster, same way. He's good at being physical, getting inside, um, you know, getting the ball carriers down. But they're just not excellent pass coverage linebackers. And I think at this point, you kind of have to just play around that weakness. Um, I, I know personally I do kind of fear them in pass coverage. I know um, – they both graded really poorly in uh, pass coverage last year. So we might see a little bit more of JHC this year um, or, or Sean Deion Hamilton even. I don't, I don't really know which direction they're going to go with that. Maybe some uh, Monte Nicholson on some tight ends. Um, but whatever they do, I, I do think that they are a little scared of, of Zach Brown and Mason Foster in coverage for sure. Mark? Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting one to see. I think they will probably be a little – they could probably pass with them in zone coverage as the kind of two underneath hook defenders. Um, and I think that's Mason Foster is, is a solid zone defender, but he doesn't have necessarily the athleticism to stay with the kind of the athletic tight end profile, the, the Jordan Reeds and Rob Gronkowski's and Travis Kelsey's of, of the NFL. So, um, and to be fair to him, not many people can stay with those kind of guys, but um, he, Foster is better in zone coverage and and understands what defenses are trying to do to the zone coverages um, better than most people give him credit for. Um, but neither are particularly great in man coverage. Um, and if if you're having to play zone coverage because of your linebackers, then that's not necessarily uh, the best thing in the world. Um, but it's a defense that does like to play zone and and 
likes to pass off different routes um, and, and sort of pattern match. So they can kind of get away with it. Um, but I, I, I think what, what Zach was saying with Josh Harvey Clemens coming in and, and being able to match up a little bit better in, in coverage and, and Sean Dion Hamilton being a, a better guy in, in sort of coverage as well, um, a little bit more athletic um, than, than certainly Foster and Zach Brown uh, Zach Brown has claimed that he will show up in coverage this year, but uh, I guess we'll wait and see on that one. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think they will they'll be passable if they if they stick in zone coverage or they sort of keep those two as, as hook defenders to sort of pair up on whoever the running back coming out of the backfield is. Um, but if they are asked to play too much man coverage, I think they could be exposed. You talked about Sean Dion Hamilton there, and he's a guy that I heard a lot of buzz coming out of the draft. He had a pretty bad knee injury that's still scarring, apparently, and that caused him to drop down. But before that, he seemed to be a guy that was marked up pretty high on draft boards. Zach, do you think that Dion Hamilton could evolve into a starter in the future for the Skins? Oh, yeah, definitely. He, he had all the ability in the world. He actually started over Sean Evans uh, the year before. Uh, with next to Ruben Foster. He initially started that year over Rashawn Evans before um, he suffered another bad injury. I don't even think it was the same one. I think it was maybe a torn ACL or a broken leg, something like that. He, he's struggled with a lot of injuries in his career, but he's he's really talented. I mean, obviously he played Alabama, so right then and there you know he's a really talented linebacker. Um, but yeah, he, he, he brings a lot to the table. He's not like your, your bruiser type of linebacker, but you know, he can get around blocks, he can avoid blocks, his instincts are, are incredible, and you can kind of see that here in the preseason, and he's a good athlete, so I think if he can stay healthy, if he can stay on the field, I mean, he's proven to be, you know, maybe not just as good as Rashawn Evans or just as good as Ruben Foster, but, you know, a very good product of a very good system there in college, and, you know, he's coming to the Redskins, he's not immediately asked to start, he can try to get healthy, I'm, I'm really excited for Sean Deion Hamilton, I'm glad that, you know, he got a little bit of playing time here in the preseason, and, yeah, I'm really excited for him. I think he can be a, a really good player for this team if he stays healthy. And that's kind of been the big thing with him his whole career. Mark, do you agree? Yeah, I think um, he's been a guy that um, this preseason has just looked a step hesitant. Um, like, he's not quite fully trusting of his, of his knee and his, his injuries to be sort of 100%, um, which is totally understandable given his injury history. Um, but you can see the instinct is there. You can see that he is fully up to speed with, with the defense and is comfortable making the calls. And, and that was a big trade that they, they loved him from him in Alabama was, you know, he was the one making the calls on the field and basically being the defensive coordinator of the, of the Bama defense on the field. And, and that is no small feat in a Nick Saban defense. So, um, I, I can I can certainly see him progressing. Um, I do think he will take this season to fully get back from his injuries and fully reestablish himself as and, and his confidence in in his in his legs and his knee um, to to make sure that you know he, he trusts it and won't re-injure himself um, again. But if he, if he can do that, um, I think the future is probably pretty bright for him. Um, and, and you can see the instincts and the leadership there. Um, it's just whether he can get that trust in his in his injuries again. Would you say that he's a lock for the roster? Or do you think he's a guy that they try to sneak onto the practice squad? 
I, I would think he's probably... I, I, I'm hesitant to say Locke just because of the depth they have out, uh, inside linebacker right now um, and sort of the numbers game they're going to have to play. Because um, obviously we got we got Mason Foster and Zach Brown uh, in there and, and Marshall Spate has been a, a standout for me in preseason. Um, and Josh Harvey Clemens, I think, is probably a lock because of his coverage ability and kind of as a, as a dime linebacker. Um, and so... If they want to keep five, it's between Hamilton and Vigil. And right now, I, they, they love what Vigil brings from a leadership and a sort of being able to line up the defense as kind of a backup mic. Um, and he's been solid in, in as a run defender as well. Um, so I, I think right now he's probably a little bit further ahead of where Hamilton is just because Hamilton has looked that step hesitant with his health. Um, but I think it would be very uh, short-sighted to go with Vigil over Hamilton because I think Hamilton long-term probably offers more upside. So I think it would probably be Hamilton as the fifth guy and potentially they would keep all six. Um, but that might be a little bit excessive. Got it. Moving out of the front seven, we know that Josh uh, Norman is a stud, but after that, these corners are really young and inexperienced. How do you see that panning out for the skins this year? Mark, then Zach. Yeah, the secondary is the biggest question for me. Um, last year, it, it looked like it was kind of a strength. You had Norman, you had um, Breland outside, you had Kendall Fuller progressing in the slot, and then you had Dunbar and Fabian Moreau kind of behind them. And then you lose both Breland and Fuller. So that's two starters. And Fuller was one of the better nickel corners in the league last year. So you missed two very good starters. And now your depth guys from last year are having to step up. And that's kind of what you want. You want to be able to lose top guys and have your depth guys step up that you've drafted and developed. But it's still a question as to how those guys will go. I think there will probably be some bumps along the way, um, particularly for Moreau as the nickel. Um, But then behind them, you're looking at probably Danny Johnson and Greg Stroman and Alexander sort of behind them. And it's kind of like it. It's not the strong point that I think it was last year. Um, there, there's quite a lot of questions about if you were to get an injury of Josh Norman, then suddenly you're lacking experience and quality at corner. You talked about how Fabian Moreau is going to have to deal with a little bit more issues there because he's in the nickel. What are the challenges of playing in the nickel? Well, the the main problem with playing in the nickel is that you don't have the sideline um, mm-hmm. to help you like you do when you play outside. Um, when, when you're an outside corner, it, you have the sideline as your friend. You can uh, try to force receivers when they take an outside release to the sideline, um, and you know it, it limits the amount of field they can cover. When you're inside as the nickel, your receiver has a two-way go. He can go outside, he can go inside, he can also just sprint down the field vertically. Um, so you're kind of there's, there's more ways to be beaten in the nickel, and you have to be a lot quicker, um, and you, you tend to have to play a lot closer to the line because those slot receivers can win quickly on, on slants and option routes where um, they're trying to pick up five or six yards to pick up a first down. Mm-hmm. So those the, you have to be very quick. You have to have good feet. You have to um, be able to stick tight to a receiver in man coverage, um, and you have to be able to open yourself either way and, and stick with a receiver either way. And you can't, you can't just sort of force them one direction and, and have the sideline as, as, as the help. Zach, what do you think about this uh, corner group? 
painfully optimistic, I guess, is what I would go with it. And it's not because I'm in love with Norman or in love with Dunbar. I think, like, Norman, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get solid play from a known, you know, commodity out there. Quentin Dunbar, I, I am woefully optimistic about him. Uh, I really hope he, he pans out the way that we've kind of seen. And he's really he's really progressed these last couple of years. So I'm actually excited to see him now in that starter role. And I think he has a lot of potential in coverage. Uh, Moreau is definitely my biggest question. It's not because I doubt his ability. He has the size, the frame, the athletic profile. It's everything to be a really good slot corner. Uh, it's just we kind, of, we kind of saw it with Kendall Fuller his first year as a rookie when he was in that slot. It, it, it takes a little bit to kind of adjust to that role. Um, so I, I think Moreau, this would be a big learning experience for him. I don't know how great he's going to be out the gate, though. Um, it'll be a testament to Torian Gray. If Torian Gray did get him completely ready for this, and he looks excellent out there, then you know, hats off to Torian Gray. But I, I do think it's going to be a bit of a slow start for him because it, it just takes so much time to get ready for that. It's, it's such a different position than outside corner because, like Mark, Mark said, there's just so much more like field to cover. There's so much that you have to read. There's so It's so small like a room for error. And um, it, it's that's hard on a on a young corner, especially one who hasn't really played. So I think we're going to see a little bit of a learning curve from him. But overall, I, I, I am excited for him in that role because, like I said, he kind of fits everything you want out of a slot corner in, in terms of size and uh, athletic profile. So I think he'll be good there long term, but this year it might be a little rough. Um, and I'm out, I am excited that they, they trust their young depth. Um, I'm not really excited if all of them are going to be playing this year because – that means something went wrong or, or somebody yeah. got hurt. But I do like the idea of keeping these young guys. I like that Danny Johnson played his way on the roster. I like how Adonis Alexander, uh, you know, has kind of played himself on the roster. And Greg Stroman has earned a spot. Um, so I, I do like having the young guys. It's just it, it does kind of hurt not having an experienced guy in there. But, you know, the young guys are, are better players. And I, I applaud the Redskins for keeping them. Let's talk about the safety group here because – Zach, you love Monte Nicholson, and it's easy to see why. He's big, he's fast, and he's strong. But do you see him building off his first year in the league, even though this year he's going to be asked to do more things in coverage than he was last year? Yeah, um, I am kind of the known Monte Nicholson supporter. Yeah. Um, I, I love that draft pick, and I, and I will always stand by that. I think it was an excellent draft pick by the Redskins at the time. Um, just because, again, he has every little thing you want. And a safety. He has the size. He has the athletic profile. He has, you know, he, he has shown the ability to come downfield and hit. Um, I, I do think, though, he has some things to build on. So I'm not a full fanboy. I'm kind. Of, I'm still kind of evaluating him here, but uh, I do think he has some things to um, kind of develop. So I, I still see some of those tackling issues that you we kind of saw last year, which led to his injuries. He's still coming in 100 miles per hour and dropping his head, and I'm I'm still a little scared of that. I, that's what kind of led to his. Uh, his injury against where Garcon kind of ran him over last year kind of led to his injury where he kind of came in full speed and lowered his head and it led that injury. So uh, you still kind of see that where he's more of just recklessly throwing his body in there. You kind of saw it a little bit in the last couple of preseason games there. So I do want to see him come in a little more calm there. But again, the defense was really good with him back there. His speed is, is so evident back there. Like anytime that somebody catches the ball down the sideline or over the middle of the field, the first thing you see is 35 flying in there. And it, it's great to see a safety you can move like that. So I'm, I'm really excited about him. I still think he has a couple more things he can improve upon, but, I mean, he, he has all the potential in the world. He, he could be a really good safety for the Skins, and I'm excited to kind of see him, you know, with that full offseason this year, with uh, guys like Torian Gray and DJ Swearinger and, and just taking that big step. So 
Um, I'm really excited about Monte Nicholson this year. Mark, do you share that optimism? Yeah, uh, kind of. I'm, I, I kind of, I'm playing around with exactly how optimistic I am about Monte Nicholson. Uh, I was totally wrong on him at the draft. Um, when I when I watched some of him after the draft, I was not impressed at all. I, obviously, you see the physical attributes, yeah. but I didn't see the instincts and coverage um and I saw him getting beat a lot, so I was kind of worried. And they came in, and they made sure he had a much more simplified role than what he played in college, where he was basically just the deep safety constantly. And that suited him perfectly, because all he had to do was read the quarterback and show off his range, and his range is absolutely ridiculous. It's it's up there with any safety in the league. It's absurd how he can get from the middle of the field to the sideline faster than the quarterback can throw the ball there. It, I, I was blown away by it, and I was very excited going into this season as to how he carries on with with that. Obviously, as Zach mentioned, the, the tackling issues of can he keep him, himself protected by learning to form tackle instead of just kind of throwing his body at players. Um, but then we heard Torian Gray talk about he's been expected to do more, which... You would expect a second-year player to pick up more of the defense and, and pick up more responsibility. But he was so good as a single-high deep safety. Um, I don't know necessarily if you'd want to take him out of that role. Um, I know there's obvious upsides of being able to have your safeties interchangeable and kind of playing as a right-and-left safety rather than a, a strong and free safety. There's certainly an upside to that, and, and it, it can disguise a lot of your defense. But I would think Monte Nicholson is more suited to that deep safety role. Um, and if, if it works as, as well as it worked last year, I, I'm not sure why they would necessarily change it. I'm, I'm kind of playing back and forth with it. Yes, it would be nice to see him add more strings to his bow and he can become a more complete safety. Um, I, but part of me also thinks just leave him as the signal high safety in the kind of Earl Thomas role. Um, but nobody took Earl Thomas out of the middle of the field. Um, so, you know, do the same with Monte Nicholson and let him patrol that middle of the field and take away the deep ball. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of I'm on the fence about it. I, I understand why they're doing it. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure whether I would challenge him in that way, but, you know, Torian Gray knows far better than I will. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Do you think that the new helmet rule that they introduced this year could impact Nicholson? Yes, yeah, it could, for sure. Um, I mean, it will impact everyone um, because I, I'm still not sure that the refs know exactly what is a penalty and what isn't. So if the refs don't know, there's no way the players will be 100% sure on it. Um, so it will impact everyone, but especially a guy like Monte Nicholson or uh, uh, safety in general will probably struggle um, because they're the kind of guys that will be trying to make a big hit to dislodge the football if they haven't quite got there in time. Um, and then Monte Nicholson is a guy that he isn't a form tackler. He's kind of a, I'll just throw my whole body at you and I've, I've got the size to knock you over, so I'll do it. Um, and he drops his head, as Zach mentioned a lot. So, um, yeah, it could certainly have an effect on him. All right, last thing before we go. I want to hear the three players for you guys that have stood out, your three stars, if you will. Let's start with Zach. Who are your three players, and why are they those three stars? All right, well, we kind of already talked about two of them here, but uh, Sean Dion Hamilton, uh, like we kind of mentioned, 
he has been a, a big standout for me. Just obviously, again, I just like seeing him on the field, and I love his instincts and leadership. Um, like Mark said, there is a little bit of hesitancy there because of his injuries, but um, he, he just stood out. Just seeing him on the field, seeing like the way that he plays out there, and I think he's earned a roster spot. Uh, Tim Settle will be number two, and I was actually a huge fan of Tim Settle. He actually went to high school right down the road from me. Um, but his athletic profile just kind of turned me off. And I'm not huge on on just athletic profile, but I was scared of it. But, man, he, he has come in, and he's been a bulldozer with the second group. And it, it's really exciting seeing depth defensive linemen kind of pressure the quarterback and play in the run the way he has. So if he can keep this up in the regular season as a rotational back, I mean, watch out. So I, I think he's really solidified what we all thought was going to be a good defensive line group. Maybe people go, okay. This might be a really good defensive line group, or even have you know you asking the top ten question because guys like Tim Settle are are stepping up. Um, my last guy is, is a little bit of a sleeper, and I know Mark actually want to talk about him too. But uh, JP Holtz, tight end, uh, just kind of feeling that like now is Paul type role. You know, he can play some fullback, he's played some tight end, he looks pretty good uh, running routes at tight end and blocking tight end, and I think he's actually a sleeper to make this roster. I know a lot of people are mentioning him, but. I mean, I would not be shocked at all if he made this roster because he's kind of that, that four tight end that Gruden likes, and, and he can kind of play all over the place. So I, I really like J.P. Holtz, and I'm, I'm really excited what he's brought to this uh, roster, actually. So um, those are my three big standouts and the three guys that really not have just like earned a, like a roster spot but earned a role on the team as well. Mark, and you? Yeah, my um, I, I, I did want to go with Holtz, um, as, as Zach mentioned, that I very quickly, briefly mentioned that um, they, I think they would like to keep a fullback option um, because of Adrian Peterson and, and the, his running style. Um, and, you know, they, they've ran well with a fullback and, and Holtz has opened up quite a few holes for them as a fullback. So I, I would not be surprised at all to see they, them find a way to keep him as the fourth tight end and as a fullback kind of option. Um, but my, my three standouts, um, Cam Sims was kind of the, the obvious one to me. Um, he, he's made a number of big plays. He, he shows, obviously, he has a great size. He showed great body control and, and being able to go up and get the ball over defenders and still get his feet down um, and still hold on to the ball through hits. Um, he had the one bad drop um, in the second preseason game where it led to an interception. Um, but I, I liked that he was able to show the sort of resiliency to, to bounce back from that and, and go and make a number of big plays. Um, including, obviously, the, the touchdown that got ruled out for a, um, uh illegal formation. Um, and, you know, late in the fourth quarter, he made a, a big catch to um, where he had to kind of adjust his body, turn around and, and catch a back shoulder ball um, to, to get them in field goal range. So I think he stood out a wide receiver. And, and I, as we kind of mentioned earlier, I, th- I think he will be pushing very hard to make that sixth spot over Brian Quick. Um Martial Spate, I think, has gone under the radar um, at inside linebacker. I, I think a lot of people kind of expected um, Hamilton and Clemens to kind of knock Spate and Vigil off the depth chart, but I, Spate has moved, subtly moved from sort of the backup Mike linebacker to the backup Mo, where he has, he doesn't have the play calling responsibilities and he's not the guy that has to go in first and, and fill the hole. He's kind of the cleanup guy, as, as Zach Brown is um, in the base defense. Um, and in preseason, he's just 
he's had some absolutely phenomenal reads on running backs where he's he's read exactly how the offensive lines blocks he's read exactly how the running back is going to cut almost before the running back does and he fills gaps and and makes tackles he, he's I, I've been shocked with just how well he's he's filled run uh, running lanes so um, in coverage he still has a little bit to go but um, as a run defender he's been absolutely fantastic um and then my my third guy would be free bibs um who we, we also mentioned earlier um i for me until they signed adrian peterson when darius guys went down i thought bibs was probably the best runner of the running backs group outside of chris thompson um because he's the one that shows the ability to press the hole and cause defenders to overcommit and open up cutback things um and and their willingness to be patient and set up blocks. Um, it's something that Rob Kelly and Samaj P. Ryan haven't displayed. Um, so I, I've been feeling like Bibbs has kind of been the, the best runner of the group outside of Geis and, and Thompson. Um, and when Geis went down, I thought Bibbs should have been in with a, with a shout of earning more reps. And then obviously, beside Adrian Peterson, he's going to be the guy. But, but Bibbs has looked good as a runner. He's looked great as a pass catcher. He, he's shown a the ability to not just catch out of the backfield, but split out wide to receiver. Um, and that offers uh, a whole new, um, sort of almost a whole new playbook because they, they can do a lot more things with the running back spread, split out wide um, and get matchups there. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, he's improved terrifically in pass pro. Um, and that's something that you have to have as a running back on this level um if you're if you're going to play on third downs if you're going to catch the ball out of the backfield you've got to be willing to step up and make blocks and pass pro and and he's done that so for me he's been uh, my my one of the big standouts of preseason all right we're just about done here so i'd like to thank both of you this was a really great conversation informative and i think it's something that every redskins fan should listen to do you guys have anything you'd like to plug before you go uh, I'm personally I'm good. Maybe just follow on Twitter uh, at Mark Bullock NFL. And then Zach. Yeah. Um, I just want to clarify, just so people aren't questioning why you brought a Stampede Blue uh, Colts guy on here to talk <laughs> Redskins. I, I was a former host of Locked On Redskins. I've written about the Redskins for a while, so it's not completely new territory. I didn't just kind of jump in cold from you know from covering the Colts just to talk about Redskins. But um, you know, I'm hoping for a good year for the Skins this year. Uh, I mean, I'm still going to be writing for the Colts, but I mean, I hope, don't tell anyone, but I hope the Skins kick their butts in week two, so uh, <laughs> I can write about how luck doesn't look right, and all. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, man, thanks for having me on, I, I, you know, don't want to ever turn down a chance to talk Redskins, they're always my favorite team, and, um, you know, go Skins this year, for sure. Listen, anyone that follows you on Twitter knows that you're a great source for Redskins content, make sure to give both these guys a follow, Mark Bullock and Zach Hicks. You will not be disappointed. Thank you once again, guys. Yeah, of course, man. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Down to the Wire, presented by DHS Press. Go to dhspress.com for all the news Titans need to know. As always, rate, review, and subscribe. I'm Varun Shankar, signing off.